What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's E-T-H-O-S, FantasyBB. Really appreciate all the new follows on both of those accounts recently, specifically at EthosFantasyBB. Because that's where all of our content comes out, all the new articles, podcasts, different news and notes for myself and the rest of our team. That is where it all comes out, so I appreciate you guys hitting the follow over there. If you're not on Twitter as much, you can get all the same content over at sportsethos.com. You hover over the MLB tab, and it'll give you all the content there. It'll give you a nice little layout of our podcast. It has the MLB draft guide and our our in-season content, which we've started up as well now with two-star pitching articles. There'll be a buy low, sell high article coming out uh, this week as well, before the weekend. Just a ton of stuff that you guys can use to help you win your fantasy baseball league. So please do go check out all of our great work, either on Twitter or at the website at sportsethos.com. We're going to look back on some of yesterday's news and notes that I made, and we are going to talk about the day games today, because that's pretty much all we've got today. Uh, there was four games that were rained out today, Miami and New York, the Mets, that is, uh, the Yankees and the Orioles, the Reds and the Phillies, and the Astros and the Twins all rained out. Most of the games that have happened today are going to happen already. There's a couple of games that are taking place later tonight, but pretty much the four games we have this afternoon, that was pretty much it. So we're going to start with the news and notes I made from yesterday, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, what's happened today so far, which shouldn't take us too long because of the nature of the rainouts. And it was weird. Usually teams will wait to see the ballpark actually get rained out before they <laughs> cancel the game, but for a couple of these rainouts, I think the Mets game in particular, I think they canceled it before they even... I think they canceled the day in advance, actually. I think this one was was put on the shelf yesterday, uh, just in anticipation of rain, which is kind of weird. That's why they kind of do the schedule the way they do it earlier in this early in the season. They'll have, you know, a four-game series or a three-game series played over four days to just kind of give a buffer there in case there is bad weather still. Still kind of weird. You figure they get to the ballpark and then evaluate before they actually pull the plug on it, but... Those decisions are made well above my pay grade, so we will start off by looking back, like I said on yesterday. We'll start off with Mitch Keller. Looked very, very good against the Red Sox. Seven innings pitched, seven strikeouts, one earned run, two walks, and four hits. He also had a 34% CSW. <clears throat> now, Mitch Keller, for me, is not a must-roster player, but he's getting there. Like, if he is able to keep up these strikeouts over the course of the whole season, that's kind of the bread and butter for all of us in fantasy. Even if a guy is not giving you... The greatest ratios, even if the, like this Hunter Green from last year. People still rostered Hunter Green, even though he was giving you strikeouts, and that was pretty much it. He had, I think, five wins. But the strikeouts are very appealing for a lot of people, and as they should be. They don't grow on trees on the waiver wire, and strikeouts will tend to lead to lower ratios over time. The more you get batters to swing and miss, the less the ball goes in play, and yada, yada, yada. If Mitch Keller is able to find a new gear with his strikeout rate this year, because he's typically been a very poor strikeout rate guy for his career below league average for the most part 20 percent 22 percent here and there his rookie year was up at 28 percent that was only over 11 games played he's never really got back to that level if he's able to strike out that number of batters consistently then he's probably going to be an ad 15 strikeouts through 11 and two-thirds I think he is an ad in 12 team leagues I, I think I am I think I'm there but I'm not doing it just yet necessarily and if you do add him up, then you probably should sit him down because his next start's going to be coming up against Houston. I don't think anybody wants to start him against Houston. As good as we might think he is at this point, you're probably asking for trouble if you do uh, send him up against that lineup. So I'd probably add him and sit him is what my advice would be in 12-teamers for the most part. And again, he's not a must-roster player, 
He's only at 12% rostered, but I think with the strikeouts, I think that there will be a path to value, even if it's just back-end value, and it won't be every single game. Obviously, like we said, against Houston, against tougher matchups, you probably shouldn't start him. You should probably take it a little easy there in terms of your your love for Mitch Keller if you are going to pick him up. But I think he is I think he is worth an ad as a back-end guy in 12-team leagues at this point. Now, Jorge Soleris had three home runs through his first seven games. He's also driven in six. I am nowhere near close to adding Jorge Soler. I've seen a lot of people talking today about how it's crazy that Jorge Soler is not rostered in more leagues, and he's only on, let me just double-check the Yahoo percentage, 13% of Yahoo leagues. I don't see any appeal in Jorge Soler, really. I mean, if you look back at 2019, yes, he had a stupid year. He played 162 games also, which is kind of not something that we've seen at a Jorge Soler regularly. He had 48 home runs. He drove in 117. He batted 265. It was his career high in all of those categories, excluding when he batted 292 uh, over his first 24 games as a rookie, but that doesn't even count here. He's had a career high in all categories that year, even down to stolen bases, and we haven't seen anything really like that since. 2021, solid year. 27 homers, 70 RBIs, batted 223. That's kind of the thing with Jorge Soler. He's not going to help out your batting average. He's not going to steal bases. Runs and RBIs are probably going to be all right. I mean, they've been batting him second, which is interesting. But even if he's batting second, I think he's fairly limited in what he's going to give you outside of home runs. He might be able to give you 35 home runs, but he might drive in 63 runs doing it uh, in that lineup with a poor average and poor stolen base numbers. He's in five outfielder leagues. Excuse me, in five outfielder, 15-team leagues. Yeah, Jorge Soler will will make the cut. He'll, He'll be worth it. Even if you won't be necessarily starting him, uh, he'll be somebody that you should be rostering in like an NFBC kind of format. In a 12-team Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, whatever it is, I don't think that he makes the cut just yet. If he keeps this up, if he keeps mashing, sure. He's only 13% rostered, <clears throat> so it's not like he's flying off the shelf. Keep an eye on him for now, but I, I'm not one of those people who is saying, go out and get Jorge Soler. I just don't think there is that much upside in a guy who pretty much just hits home runs for you. Now, Josh Young, I think he is very undervalued. He's only on 54% of Yahoo rosters. Well, let me just double-check and see if that's gone up since I made my notes here. 55. He's gone up to 55% of Yahoo rosters. I still think it's too low. 7 of 22 on the year. Scored five runs, hit two dingers, and four RBIs. The power and the, uh, the average combination that he'll give you there, not so much the speed, but the power and the batting average, I think is pretty legit. You know, all levels of the minor leagues, he didn't spend too long at any individual level. So you might look at the fan grass page and say, the highest number of home runs I see on any level is 10. Well, that was over 43 games. If you keep going, look at AAA in 2021, he had nine home runs, but it was in 35 games. You know, last year in AAA, only six home runs. It was only 23 games. When he got to the bigs, he did hit five home runs in 26 games. So he's always averaging there a home run every four or five games, roughly, for his career. And albeit it's the minors, it is different, but, you know, he has shown that at every level, that he's capable of hitting for a good power, and he's capable of hitting for a very good batting average as well. I don't think he should be on really any rosters, or excuse me, any any waiver wires. I think he should be on all rosters, like 10 teams and deeper. I don't know why Josh Young is not more highly valued. I undervalued him a little bit myself going into the season. I wasn't as high on him as I probably should have been, considering he bats right behind Marcus Semien, Corey Seager, Nathaniel Lowe, and Adolis Garcia. Tons of RBI opportunities to go along with the power in the average. This is going to be a hot take. But if he continues to bat in the fifth spot of that lineup the whole year and he stays healthy, let's call it 140 games, 140, 145 games, I think it's an outside chance that Josh Young can give you 100 RBIs. And I'm not too far off from some of the projections here 
the bat, the bat X, have him going for 82, 84. He can touch 100 if he's batting fifth in that lineup, and he should be. I mean, from what we've seen, I, I don't know why they would mess around with that too much. He's batted fifth in every game thus far. He started every game thus far. Go get Josh Young. There's no reason why he should be sitting on almost half of waiver wires around the league. Wander Franco, our old friend Wander Franco, who I talked about on the Bold Predictions episode. It looks like the breakout is actually, in fact, here. He's 10 for 24 so far. Four homers, or excuse me, two, four runs scored. Two homers, seven ribbies, and uh, two stolen bases in six games. That's that's pretty damn good for Wander Franco. He is a pretty good shot at, I think, following through uh, on my prediction of being somewhere like a top 30, 40 player. I didn't specify that particularly, but I said he'd go for like 15 home runs, 15 steals, bat 300. People would be so excited that next year he goes in the second round. I think that that's going to come true. I think second, third round value this year is what he'll probably produce to this point. It's been first round value. That might be pushing it a little bit, but I think if you're able to get second round value out of Wander Franco, uh, even third, even fourth would be incredible. But what he's doing right now is a lot of fun to watch. I think that the breakout is truly finally here. As long as he's able to stay healthy, uh, Wander Franco should be a lot of fun in all aspects of the game. Five tool fantasy player. And I wish I had him on more teams. I really wish I do. In fact, I don't have him on any teams. Uh, I don't have any Wander Franco this year. Definitely got some FOMO going on in my head. Let's move on, though, to Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker hit a home run yesterday. He's 8 for 24 with the dinger and the steal so far. This is going to sound ridiculous, and I understand it's going to sound ridiculous, and I even put that in my in my notes, my tweet this morning. Go and see if he's available if you're in a Yahoo League. 87% rostered last night when I wrote this. It was nine hours ago I sent out this tweet. He's still only 87% rostered. And a lot of you are going to say, oh, 87, you know, he's, he's, he's taken up. We're a week into the season. You're, can, you can't be telling me that there's 13% of leagues that are just inactive or they're too shallow that they're, what, four-team leagues where you wouldn't want Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker has the potential to be the rookie of the year. Like, I think that's, like, maybe not likely because you never really know how a year's going to play out. But to this point in the season, he's got a hit in every game. He's got a home run. He's got a steal. He's batting in a great lineup, albeit not a great spot in the lineup. He's batting seventh and eighth. But there's the lineup is so deep, it doesn't. there's not really a spot for him above that at this point. He keeps raking. He'll move up in that lineup. <clears throat> and he should be rostered in 100% of leagues. A lot of the time on Yahoo, you'll see 99. It won't even say 100. But it should not be 87. Like, I think we can all agree that Jordan Walker should be at very minimum, like, 90, 95-plus percent rostered. I don't know why he is available, and it doesn't really matter the, the, how shallow the league is. Even in an eight-team league, I don't even know how many players are rostered in an eight-team league because I don't really play in them, but about 180, 200 players, he should still make the cut in that situation. There's no excuse unless you're playing in a four-team or a two-team league for Jordan Walker to be sitting out there. So just double-check the wire. Likely he's not. If your league has any sense in their head, he was probably drafted. But you never know. You never know who you're playing with. If Jordan Walker, let's say you just have a bunch of leagues on Yahoo and you're not sure what the availability is, just check and see if he's available in one of them because he might be, and that would be ridiculous. Again, this is not going to apply to a lot of people, but for the people that it does apply to, you're going to find yourself a absolute gem on the waiver wire. So go see, once again, if Jordan Walker is available. Not going to be a lot of you, but just do a quick search there, especially if you have multiple leagues. You never know. Things can get really lost in, in the tracks there if you're playing four or five leagues on one site. Grayson Rodriguez, I mentioned him yesterday. He made his debut. Settled down beautifully after a bad first inning. Now, his next start going to be against Oakland. He's currently, well, when I put this out last night or this morning, he was 67% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. He's now up to 70. It's not going up as fast as I thought it would. I guess there's some uncertainty about whether he'll stay in the rotation or not. 
it would be total malpractice if Baltimore was to send him down after this in favor of Bradish or in favor of anybody, really. I mean, he needs to be up for good, and I think he will be, especially considering how quickly they called him up. It isn't like for a prospect of his pedigree to call him up just for a spot start and send him back down. I think that would be absolutely ridiculous. I think he's here to stay. <clears throat> and I think you guys should be adding him up ahead of that start against Oakland because that is a juicy matchup for somebody like Grayson Rodriguez. Now, speaking of Oakland, uh, I, I know I have to tap our friend Britton Allen on the back here because he mentioned this guy in the offseason in a tweet. I think he mentioned him on a pod as well. And that's Ryan Noda. And a lot of you probably haven't heard of Ryan Noda. He's rostered in 0% of Yahoo leagues. He started the last three games for the Athletics, gone three for 10 with a home run and four runs scored. In AAA last year, 25 home runs, <clears throat> 20 stolen bases, and a 16% walk rate. That's ridiculous all across the board. He's 0% rostered in Yahoo leagues, but that number is going to change. Like He is going to start to pick up some steam, I believe, as he gets more regular playing time, as people start to see the power with a little bit of speed mixed in there as well, with a good eye on base percentage formats. Like There's a lot of reasons to be very interested in Ryan Noda, N-O-D-A. Put him on your watch list right now. Like I said, 0% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Nobody's interested. They probably should be, though, considering what we were possibly going to see from him uh, throughout this season. Logan O'Hoppy, my my guy in a couple of leagues. He started five of six games. He's looked very good, hitting two homers, driving in seven. If you punted the catcher spot, if you took a Kibe Ruiz, or if you took somebody at the back end, maybe even a Danny Jansen, uh, I wouldn't hesitate, really, to switch him out for Logan O'Hoppy because Danny Jansen's playing time, I don't know how consistent that is going to be necessarily. When I talked with Keegan Matheson a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> he was saying that the Jays wanted to avoid as much as possible having both catchers in the lineup in the same day. So far, we've seen Jansen already have a couple of days off, and when he's been out there, he hasn't looked particularly good. Ohapi has looked good. He's going to play more regularly. I'd be in favor of making that switcheroo uh, if you are able to. Only 17% rostered Ohapi still. And I guess I sent this out this morning, so I should I should just double-check and see if that's gone up at all. 19, 19%. He's still available in most leagues. I think he's pretty locked in the role, too, as well. There's been some talk about when... Uh, was it when Max Stassi returns that they're going to give him the rollback? I don't know. I think it's probably Ohapi's at this point. I'd be adding him up. Even on the even if there's a chance he doesn't have the role full-time, uh, a catcher with that kind of power I think is very intriguing. One catcher leagues, you might you probably have your catcher squared away already. This is more so if you're in a two-catcher league where he's likely rostered or if you just are in the one-catcher league, let's call it a 12 or a 15-team league. And you pick somebody at the back end there, and you're not happy with them. I think Ohapi would likely make a good replacement, depending on who you picked. Uh, obviously, very case-by-case, case, but I do really, really like Logan Ohapi. Riley Green has been very good so far. I think he might be finally breaking out. Uh, eight for 23 with a home run and a steal. I don't know to what extent he's going to break out, <clears throat> but they essentially moved the dimensions of the ballpark in just for Riley Green. That was well, Maybe not just for him, but essentially I think they did that to help him a lot. Uh, he's on 73% of rosters right now in Yahoo leagues. 73 feels pretty low uh, considering what he does. Uh, 74 now. It's gone up to 74. But you're going to have decent power. You're going to have decent speed. Sorry, I had an alarm just go off my phone there in the background. Apologies if you guys heard that. Uh, but decent power, decent speed. Uh, you know, might be able to see a lot more power than we were expecting considering the walls were brought in there at Comerica Park. So 74% rostered feels about right, but I think it should be ticked up a little bit higher. Uh, if you're in that other 27% where he's not rostered, I would I would take a look at him because I think that there might be potential for a very good year from Riley Green, a bat at the top of that Tigers order. All right, those are my notes from yesterday. Let's take a look at today, and let's start off with my Blue Jays. They did win against the Kansas City Royals. Kevin Gosman, 
dominant. Again, six innings, four hits, seven strikeouts, two walks. I ranked him as my number nine starting pitcher. And I feel like that even might have been a little bit too low. Now, what I've been seeing today and what I saw myself uh, over on Baseball Savant, over if you look up StatCast or Baseball Savant, I'm sure most of you guys are familiar, but if you're not, you get a lot of advanced stats regarding different pitch shapes, uh, pitch spin rates, and it's every legal every little stat you could possibly imagine for baseball. You got it here on Baseball Savant. They got the speed of the pitches that were being thrown by Kevin Gosman. He was down across the board, which I don't like to see. The splitter was down two and a half ticks. Four seamer down three and a half ticks. He threw a fastball at 87.8. That's really concerning. Uh, he threw a slider at 76. Usually he's at 81. Last year he was averaging 84. That's concerning. But velocity's kind of been down all over the place this year. The amount of guys that we've heard have velo concerns. They're not throwing the ball as hard as they should be. I mean, God, there's, there's just so many of them. I don't know that I'm ready to pull the panic button, especially considering the fact that he has actually been dominant when he's been out there. I know he took the loss in the first game of the year. He led three unearned runs. Other than that, he was very solid in that debut against St. Louis. Eight hits, yes. But he did strike out seven, walked one batter. Like He was he was still very, very strong version of Kevin Gosman. I'm not panicking yet. Uh, I'm certainly not at the point of panicking yet. Jordan Lyles on the other side looked pretty interesting for a while. Uh, nine strikeouts, which was very good, but five earned runs. He's not going to be somebody... Where there is much uh, much to do there for fantasy, really. Looking at the lineups, nothing really of note. Uh, Vlad Guerrero, three hits and a home run. Matt Chapman stayed hot, drove in a couple of runs. And Dalton Varsho as well. He has been very, very good in a Blue Jay uniform thus far. That's pretty much it. Uh, Brandon Belt, I guess I should touch on Brandon Belt. He's been absolutely dreadful. Uh, Brandon Belt has been terrible. If you are in a shallow league, like a 10 or a 12 team league, I wouldn't hesitate to drop him. He'll get better for sure. <clears throat> but uh, you, you're probably looking at some better options that are available on the waiver wire. One hit, one run so far this year. Really not good. I believe he's one for 19 with 11 strikeouts. That's just not going to play in your shallow league. 6% rostered, dump him and move on to somebody hotter because he's not that good where you need to hold on, hoping for a, some kind of breakout because it's really not going to happen uh, to any kind of major extent. On the Royals side, Bobby Witt Jr. hit a home run. Good to see him finally get one out this year, and I'm pretty down on Bobby Witt Jr., but... He's still an excellent player. Uh, I just was kind of down on him as a first-round pick this year because I think it got a little bit out of hand. But it's good to see him hit a home run. Other than that, not much to write home about in the Royals lineup. They struck out 12 times. There was a hit from Vinny P, a hit from Sal Perez, a couple hits from Oliveres. But a pretty boring day overall um, for for this game right here uh, between the Royals and the Blue Jays. Red Sox and Tigers. I should mention, actually, with that Blue Jays game, <clears throat> Adam Simber uh, picked up the save for the Blue Jays here. Romano has been pitching a, a lot recently, and I think they wanted to give him uh, a bit of a break. He pitched yesterday, and it's not not a big concern. He actually pitched each of the last two days. So Simber got the save there. I would not read really too much, if anything, uh, into that one, though. Red Sox and Tigers. Chris Sale is the story of the day here. Chris Sale is not that good anymore. I know he still gets the velo up there. And he's still better than your average streamer, but he is, you know, he, his minimum pick in the NFBC main event leagues, where you pay $1,700, if you're Canadian, that's $2,500, he went in as the 80th pick, as the minimum pick for him. I, I don't understand some of these high-stakes leagues and just the, the artificial need to push up pitching. It's, it's ridiculous. And honestly, I know that I'm new to the higher-stakes leagues, and I'm not playing in a lot of them myself. I'm in a couple of leagues where you have to pay, you know, a couple hundred dollars to get in, whatever. I don't understand the need to push Chris Sale up that much, 60 picks past his ADP, or 60 picks above his ADP. Like, I just, 
I know, obviously, at this point, it's like, oh, yeah, well, that looks obvious now. There's no need to do that with anybody. You know, even Christian Javier, who was so good, got pushed from, like, the 60s to the 30s, going as high as the 26th pick, I think. Like, I don't understand why pitching gets pushed up so much. It's really one of those weird things. But Chris Sale getting taken as a top 100 pick had red flags all over it. And so far this year, it's not been great. It's not been awful. But it's really not been great. And i got to apologize for my cough. Still still dealing with sickness, and this pod will probably be shorter than I, than I want it to be. I haven't been able to shake a cough for quite a while, so I do apologize uh, for the coughs and the sniffles and whatnot. Um, but Chris Sale, to this point of the year, has pitched eight innings. He's allowed 10 earned runs, four homers, walked five batters. Now, he struck out 13 of them. But, man, like it, it's really not looking good, and you're kind of just stuck, right? You have to just hold them. Uh, wherever you drafted him, whatever format, I think you're just pretty stuck because of the way that his price was trending up at the end. Yahoo Leagues, I guess if you didn't really want to, a 10-team league, you didn't have to hold him, but you probably should still. I don't think it's done necessarily for him. But at this point, I, I just don't. I don't understand why there was so much faith in him in the preseason. It, it seemed that people were just, you know, hoping for the best and kind of wish casting a great season on him. When in reality, he hadn't really pitched in like three years. And I don't know what we were really expecting, but it probably should have been something closer to what he actually has given us so far. Obviously, it's way too early to pass full judgments, but the early returns of Chris Sale have been dreadful. Um, Raphael Devers had a home run. Adam Duvall stayed hot hitting a home run. Adam Duvall, absolute must roster player. Go and get yourself Adam Duvall if you still can. A lot of leagues you probably can't. When I first sent out a tweet about him several days ago, he was like in the 30s percentile uh, rostered. Now he's up to 80 over on Yahoo. So if you can still get Adam Duvall, that'd be great. I just doubt you'll be able to. Spencer Turnbull, uh, we're not quite there yet for me, but I'm pretty close to the point of throwing in the towel on him. It's awful. Uh, he was one of my most rostered players this year because of the cheap draft price. I figured if there's any chance of a bounce back, I'd take him in deeper leagues. I wasn't taking him in 12-team leagues. But even in those 15-team leagues, I don't know how much rope I'm going to give Spencer Turnbull. Maybe we give him one more start. Uh, but to this point, he has looked brutal. It was five and two-thirds today, five runs, one strikeout, and two walks. I believe uh, our friend Nick Pollock tweeted out that he had one whiff. One whiff <coughs> in five-plus innings. It's... It's absolutely atrocious. He's not a shallow league guy. Even in deeper leagues, Spencer Turnbull is somebody where we might have to think about dropping him. 4% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I'll take the L for anybody who did pick him up on my recommendation ahead of that Tampa start. At this point, he's he's got to be dropped in, in, those, uh, in those shallow leagues and even in the deeper leagues, right? I don't know that he is really going to cut it at all at this point. It's just bad. Just really bad. One swing and miss on 72 pitches, one strikeout. Not great team context. I am, I'm pretty ready to take my L uh, on Spencer Turnbull at this point. Let's move on now to the Giants and the White Sox. The Giants beat up on the White Sox today 16-6. to For all those Lance Lynn drafters, close your eyes, cover your ears, and look away. Four and a third, nine hits, eight earned runs, five strikeouts, three walks, and he also allowed three homers. Not looking good so far for Lance Lynn, but I'm not ready to throw in the towel on someone like Lance Lynn yet. It's, it's way too soon, really, for like for a Spencer Turnbull type. Okay, you know, you didn't spend much on him. I drafted him in the 700s, late 600s most of the time. Whatever. For a guy like Lynn where you drafted him in the 150s, 140s, in that general range, I'm not there yet. His velocity is still not up to par. 
I think we'll probably see him get there. Uh, just give him another couple of starts to really get the hang of the season. I know it sounds stupid, but when he came back last year at first, too, he was hurt. When he came back, he was bad when he was first, when he was first there. And then over time, he did uh, pick up the pace a little bit, and he got a lot better as the year went on. I'm not there at the point of dropping him. Uh, some people might be after he's allowed 10 earned runs the first two starts of the year. But the first start of the year was pretty good. The control was the only real problem there for walks. I mean, the seven walks that he has through 10 innings is a, is a concern. Uh, but we're still just holding Lance Lynn. There's nothing you can really do there in terms of a drop or, or any kind of move at this point. Their lineup didn't do much today either. Tim Anderson drove in a couple. Uh, Elvis Andrews had a, had a couple hits, drove in a couple. Uh, nothing really of note here for fantasy purposes on the White Sox side, other than just to reiterate that Lance Lynn will be fine. Uh, hold on. If someone wants to get rid of him, you can probably buy him for very cheap right now. Uh, on the other side, Alex Wood, three innings, six hits, three runs, only one of them earned, which is nice if you actually roster him. Uh, three strikeouts, two walks, and no home runs. Alex Wood... He's more of a streamer for me. Like he's uh, he's on the cusp of being a guy where you could probably roster him, but he's more of a deeper league guy. Uh, in, in shallower formats, when he has a good matchup, fine streamer. Um, but I don't think he is. He's a must roster player outside of like fifteen team leagues, and even there, it's probably eh, fairly close. Uh, Wilmer Flores went yard today for the Giants. A lot of guys went yard for the Giants. Uh, Michael Conforto, J.D. Davis hit a grand slam, drove in five. Mike Yastrzemski and Blake Sable. Blake Sable is an interesting guy to keep an eye on because he has catcher eligibility in a lot of formats. Catcher and outfield, he should be playing fairly regularly. And if you want to have somebody as your catcher who you don't have to worry about slot them in and out of the lineup, Sable is going to likely play probably five, six days a week. And you can slot him into the catcher spot. It might not be the greatest production, but you get you know you volume your way there essentially in terms of some counting stats. And it's it's a it's a risky one because he's not the greatest. He's still a young guy. It's just more so based on the eligibility other than anything. Uh, but he did go yard today, three hits, a uh, couple of runs scored as well. So he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Two catcher leagues, he can be a sneaky addition, even maybe in a one catcher league as not even a starting catcher necessarily, but as a bench guy. You, st- you plug him in there if you have a Kirk or a Rutschman or a Will Smith or whoever, and they are sitting. <clears throat> Lake Sable might be somebody where it's interesting, and you have to also weigh the, the pros and cons of rostering a guy like that on your bench. I don't know if he really cuts it in the shallowest of formats, but I think in a 12-teamer, 12 12-15-teamer, 12 he's 12-15 for sure. 12, he's starting to cut it, and you kind of have to make that decision based on how your team looks, how often your catcher plays. If you drafted Sean Murphy, you're probably looking for some kind of production, some kind of stabilizer. Maybe it's Ohapi, maybe it's Blake Sable, but there are options uh, if you are struggling at catcher. Not much else, really, uh, from this game here in San Francisco. They beat up on the White Sox pretty good here. Um, not not much else to really talk about. Let's talk about an interesting one here for me. White Sox, or excuse me, still on the White Sox. Nationals and the Rockies here. We got a gem out of both of these guys, and I wasn't expecting one out of either. Josiah Gray, who was my guy. I love Josiah Gray. Six innings pitched, eight hits, one earned run, six strikeouts, and one walk. This at Coors Field is incredible for a guy who has such a home run problem like Gray. He did take the loss, but, I mean, one earned run over six with six strikeouts. He'll take that every day, twice on Sunday from a guy like Gray. To do this in Coors Field for a guy who allows as many home runs as he allowed, definitely, definitely a good sign for Josiah. I'm not adding him up in shallow leagues yet, but he's interesting. You know, he got rocked in the first start of the year. It was against the Braves, so I'm not going to hold that against him so much. Very tough lineup, five earned runs he allowed, yes, this is a very, very good sign. And I'm not adding him up yet, but it does maybe hint to the fact that he'll be a good streamer this year. Maybe he is somebody where you can plug him in 
and you don't have to be necessarily so worried uh, about him getting getting his tits lit every time out. He's getting older. He's a top prospect. He was traded for Max Scherzer. We know the pedigree is there. It's just a matter of him actually doing it at the major league level. You know, I don't know if he's going to fully do it this year, but this is a very good sign anyway. I'm not adding him up. I'm not ready to do that outside of deep leagues where he probably should be rostered already in 15-teamers. But in your 12-teamers, not there yet. But we're just going to keep an eye on him as a potential streamer because there's a chance uh, that Josiah Gray could be very, very good this season. On the other side, though, Kyle Freeland. What the hell is going on with Kyle Freeland? Six and two-thirds, four hits, five strikeouts, and two walks. Uh, you know, this is two good starts in a row for Kyle Freeland. I'm not ready to be adding him up yet, <clears throat> but this is very promising, especially for a guy who pitches at Coors Field. At Coors Field today, and now it wasn't the greatest lineup he faced today, but first time out, it was against San Diego, opening day. Uh, you know, he gave him six innings, a shutout ball, got the victory. Only one strikeout in that game, but this is very good stuff out of Kyle Freeland. I'm not at the point where I want to be adding him up. Uh, let's see what Yahoo is saying about it. 19% rostered on Yahoo. I'm not there yet. I can understand if you want to take a chance on it and say maybe there is a breakout coming. Next starts against the Cardinals, uh, and that one worries me a little bit. I don't know how good he's going to do against St. Louis. <clears throat> maybe he's able to replicate his first start of the year like he you know, did against the Padres, give you a solid five, six innings. I'm not sure I'd want to risk that against St. Louis at this point. But the best course of action, probably the wisest course of action with Kyle Freeland, if you have used him for these last couple of games – is probably to drop him and move on, to be honest with you. that would, That's probably the wisest thing, because Kyle Freeland, is he actually breaking out here at this point in his career? A guy who doesn't strike out many batters, a guy who pitches in Coors Field for a bad team. Is he really going to break out here? A guy with a career ERA of 424? Probably not. Probably the best thing to do is take those 12 shutout innings and those six strikeouts and two victories, say thank you for your service, drop him, and head him back on the waiver wire. It's tough, and you're not really going to want to do that after two good starts, but I think the odds are, you know, it's one of those kind of miracle runs like we mentioned with Brian Anderson yesterday. Is it going to continue the whole year? Is Brian Anderson going to hit 50 home runs? Odds are not. Is Kyle Freeland going to go the whole year and win you the Cy Young in the National League? Likely not. Now, obviously, I'm just being a little bit hyperbolic and a little bit silly there, but I don't think he's going to even do enough to keep you on 15-team rosters. By the time it's all said and done, in that ballpark, it's it's – you're asking for a lot out of a guy in a poor team in a poor ballpark to give you fantasy relevance who doesn't even strike out batters. Like, we're talking about a guy who has a very, very low career strikeouts per nine. Uh, let me just – I had it up a second ago. It is – where is the K per nine? 6.92 for the career. 17.8% strikeout rate. And he's walking batters at an 8% clip for his career. Better the last couple of years. But <clears throat> there's just not a lot there to indicate to me that Kyle Freeland is actually going to find a new gear or what have you. So I'm leaving him on waiver wires. I'm not going to be adding him up for now. If he keeps doing this and doing this and doing this, then someone will add him up. He'll be somebody else's problem. And then when he eventually does get rocked, that'll happen on somebody else's roster. Uh, there's, no, there's, there's upside guys that are available that I would prioritize over Freeland. A lot of the guys we talked about in the notes today, I just, you know, even if you're talking Mitch Keller, I'm taking Mitch Keller over Freeland. You know, similar context in terms of you know, the pitchers in general. Uh, you know, not the greatest guys, not the greatest teams, but Keller's giving you good strikeouts. And he doesn't pitch at Coors Field. So if those are your options between Freeland and Keller, and I think actually they might be pretty close in terms of roster percentage at the moment. Uh, let me see what Keller's at right now. Uh, no, Freeland's actually more rostered uh, by 7%, but I would take Keller there in a heartbeat over Freeland. Guys, that's going to wrap it up. I have to apologize because my throat, <clears> throat> I keep getting sick. I cannot stay healthy. 
I keep getting the sniffles or cough or so it's not like serious. I'm still able to do the show, but it does uh, impact my ability to do a long hour plus show where I recap every single little bit of detail. It's a good thing today where we didn't have so many games to go over. It kind of gives me a little bit of a break. Tomorrow we'll look at weekend streamers. We'll look at pickups. We'll look at the weekend review. We'll do a bunch of stuff where it'll be a longer show. I'm going to have a bunch of tea before we record that one. Um, but yeah, apologies there for the coughing and clearing of the throat and stuff. It's definitely not uh, the best radio, not what I want to put out there, but it is just the reality of the situation. You guys can check me out over on Twitter, like I said earlier, at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. You can also check out Ethos Fantasy BB. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB for all of our new podcasts, articles, different news and notes, and all of our different baseball content. And, of course, check it out at the source at sportsethos.com if you guys do not want to be on Twitter. Totally understandable at this point. But, guys, we'll see you tomorrow. We will get you set for the weekend, look at streamers. We might even talk a little bit about next week. But until then, uh, take care, everybody. Have a great night. And cheers.